0: From Hong Kong, this is Mea Kupa, the Lessons Learned from Startup podcast, based on the postmortem conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. I'm Jeffrey Brewer, and today we talk to Bhavnit Shahal, CEO and co-founder at GoSkills, an online learning company with personalized courses built by a completely remote team, with staff spread around the globe. She's also a former account manager of Groupon. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: We already discussed up beforehand, but I'm allowed to call you Baf.
1: Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs>
0: Can you tell me a little bit about how you ended up in a startup?
1: Sure. Um, I guess my startup journey started a number of years ago um, while I was at university Um, So I was doing um, a degree in applied science in molecular biotech and uh, I was in my fourth year, so like the sort of the research year, and I discovered that although I love science, I definitely did not want to work in a lab or, or sort of be a scientist for the rest of my life. Um, and during that time on campus, um, there were these uh, sort of student business competitions and I entered one of these competitions and I won the first round of that competition and was a finalist in the second round. And I just discovered this world of entrepreneurship and business and I really enjoyed it um, and wanted to do, learn more and do more. So I then, uh, I, I, with, that, with that business idea, I thought I wanted to take it further, but didn't really know what to do. Um, and there happened to be um, a course on entrepreneurship at the university, which I then took. It was a master's uh, in entrepreneurship um, and really enjoyed that course, learned, a ton, um, and sort of felt like I want to do this for the rest of my life and, uh, just do startups, um, or start businesses, grow them, um, and, and one day exit.
0: Um, you did a course or like a, um, uh, how do you call that? A master in entrepreneurship. Um, it's quite a pet peeve of me that I'm always saying you cannot teach entrepreneurship so you (laughs) cannot learn it either (laughs) what's your opinion about that
1: um i think that um so to be an entrepreneur i think you need to have a certain risk profile um, and that's probably innate um, whether you're risk-taking or risk-averse um, however, I think the actual skills of starting a business, growing a team, um, scaling a business, those are all, I believe, taught skills and, and you can learn. Um, you just have to have the right sort of, I think, uh, profile to, to take that leap, to make that move, to start something and, and do it. Um, and if you have that inside you, then I think everything else can be learned.
0: Yeah, because also one of the things that I uh, do besides uh, recording these podcasts is that I uh, run a program at the uh, HQ uh, Biomedical Science Department where we help students to learn something about how it is to start a business. And uh, at that point, we help the students to pick an idea or pick a technology, uh, validate that, and then at that point, I, I always say, teach them the the tips and the tricks and the tools to navigate entrepreneurship because what uh, what you say indeed is that it's a risk profile as an entrepreneur and um, not everybody has that and yeah at that point when I quite often see for instance like hey this is a course in entrepreneurship I always get very weary about that so what was at that point for you one of the things that you took away from that master the most?
1: Yeah. Um, so the masters, it was actually the, f- I think it was the first or the second year that they had um, launched this program. So it was very new. And the thing I liked about it the most was that it was a very practical course. It it's not like a master's you might think is quite academic and you might study sort of entrepreneurship from an academic point of view and its history and things like that. But it wasn't the case at all. It was it was extremely practical. So we had real life accountants and business people coming in and sharing their experiences with us. And very we learned very practical skills, like literally how to s- open a business in New Zealand, like the forms you would need to fill, um, like the the processes. So. I think the thing I learned the most was that, um, well, it was just, it it was very practical to and easy to just get started. Um, And there are people out there doing it. We met these people um, and, and sort of, it gave me a lot of confidence that if you have an idea, you should just go out and and try it and do it. Just start one, one baby step at a time um, and, and go for it.
0: And what you said earlier uh, at, at your university in a program that you know, would help you uh, set up a business, but you were working on on an idea at that point. What was it? The idea that you were working on.
1: So um, I guess. And, if
0: and, and 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 why didn't it work?
1: <laughs> I had a couple of uh, failed businesses, actually. Um, the first, the, so the idea that I started with that student business competition. It was um, an online portal for students to sort of connect with each other, find and sell their textbooks, find flatmates. um It was before the times of, before the time of Facebook, um so very early days, um but yeah, kind of like a student portal idea. and we i we gathered a team for that, and uh but we fell apart in the execution of building the product. So we didn't actually, were successful in in building a a platform um, for it. It was an idea and the idea won a few competitions and we got the team to work on the idea, but uh, yeah, we didn't really execute well on building the product and and it all sort of fell away when I I then started this um, entrepreneurship course
0: during that entrepreneurship course were you at that point running a business or was it fully 100% education focused
1: um i wasn't running a business um although you could have if you if you wanted to um it was a course that was i think it was fridays and saturdays every week or every two weeks so it was very flexible and it it was geared towards people that were working, that wanted to um, have this extra skill set. But I wasn't working, and uh, I didn't have a business at the time, but I had another idea, which um, I was tinkering with at the back of my mind.
0: If you would now uh, go through all the ideas that you tried previously, Mm -hmm. and uh, with the experience that you have right now, if you would go back to... The years that you had that idea, um, what would you tell yourself in, yeah, like ten years ago? um, uh, Give yourself as an advice to that person that you was back then, with the knowledge that you have right now.
1: Oh, so much. Um, Well, maybe I should tell you a little bit about the second idea, that was a bit more of a spectacular failure. Um. So while I was in that entrepreneurship course, I had another idea for um an app, like a tourist app, where you would turn on, like open the app on your phone. Um, it'll show you a map of where you are, and all the tourist attractions around you that were sort of um hidden and with that were sort of um known to locals but might not be, uh, like a main um, attraction from from the city. Um, so that was the idea and um, it was also sort of at the very beginning days of Google Maps. Um, so uh, it was exciting um, and I had toyed with that idea for a few months and put together a business plan um, and started to talk to people about it to start building something out. And uh, one of my classmates from the course, who is also a really good friend of mine, um, was interested in the idea too. And I invited him to join me. And I very naively said, come join me on this idea. I'll give you 50 percent without really thinking about sort of what he brought to the table or his skill set or even, you know, having a shareholders agreement or anything like that in place. Yay, <laughs> the
0: co-founder agreements.
1: <laughs> yes. Um and so and he did and and we we worked on the idea for um a good couple of years. So after the course finished, um we we this is all we did. And um we actually found a company to help us build the app. Um, and we, um, but we never were successful in raising money, um, and we were under a lot of pressure because um, we were sort of we were students. Um, we had this idea, we had no money, no investors, um, and all of that sort of amounted to a lot of pressure on us, and um, we started to argue a lot. Um, and we were just we couldn't come to agreements and uh, we were at loggerheads on a lot of topics. Um, but we still persevered and tried to try to get the idea out and to, to build something. Um, but the personal re- relationship between myself and this person um, was just breaking down over time. And it got to a point where we were very close to signing um, a very large customer in New Zealand, like a national um, tourist um, uh, sort of channel. Um, and we were also very close to f- to getting our first investor. Um, but the relationship with myself and my co-founder had totally broken down and he had the better relationship with the customer and with the investor. And, uh, and we had a group of people around us that were advising us and mediating our, our problems. But in the end, um, he went ahead and uh, convinced the investor and the customer to start another company basically stole all the IP, all the ideas, all the designs of our company, create a totally new company, the investor invested in the new company and totally left me out. Um, and that was, you know, just absolutely shocking <laughs> that uh, that that would happen and that, that a friend would do that. Um, and, you know, you read about these things and you hear these stories and you don't really understand what it's like to go through that until until you go through that yourself Um, and so that was that was quite a shocking um, event uh, in my startup journey and so that's that's the that's a proper failure (laughs) Uh,
0: that's significant indeed in impact probably that gave you what was your personal feeling about it because you were working on that what like two years maybe and all of a sudden it drops away it falls away
1: yeah it totally disappeared so it wasn't so it was two years of my time it was actually my idea my baby and it was sort of stolen from me <laughs> um and also I had invested a little bit of money myself um into it um and yeah it was just a really difficult time because um, I couldn't do anything about it like I couldn't i couldn't legally do anything about it because I didn't have the resources um and I was I just sort of um had I was lucky to have people around me to sort of get me through that period um and I just had to sort of put my head down and look for other opportunities and and let it go just like say okay well this happened i'm going to learn some lessons from this and make sure it doesn't happen in my in my next startup
0: i can imagine indeed for you personally there was a blowback i can still remember when i was i must say almost forced to sell one of my first businesses Um, uh, that's another long story but i was physically sick for two or three days and then afterwards i didn't come out of the house for another week or something like that so for me personally that was yeah really like saying goodbye to your baby Mm. um how do you cope with that like what were your reactions or your maybe natural um ways of of you know shielding yourself uh to to cope with this
1: um so I was definitely very angry um, and I kind of had my initial sort of reaction was, well, okay, if you think you're so great, you go for it. It's like good riddance. (laughs) I'd like to see you succeed without me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And yeah, like I I definitely thought it was, you know, it wouldn't go anywhere without me anyway, because I thought I was the the brains of the operation and like I was the visionary (laughs) behind the idea. So I wasn't, um, I, I still had, I tried to sort of protect myself by, um, by, by these coping mechanisms. Um, and then also I had people around me that were saying things like, well, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm still young. Um, well, I was still very young at that point. I was in my early twenties. Um, and this is just, one one company out of many that you know I'll come across in my lifetime the most important thing is to learn and to and to look forward like not to look back um and all you can do really is to is to learn from past failures past mistakes and make sure you don't repeat them in the future um and you know this was I was it was a, I was in a small student town um in New Zealand and at when you're in it at moment you think that that's your entire world and your entire world is sort of like crumbling around you but you sort of take a step back and you put a bit of perspective into things and you know it's just it's just one one incident in um in something that's probably not even that significant in my 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 entire life Uh,
0: Um, that's a great way to to handle a situation like that i always when i talk about these kind of things with uh, with other people i always say the first one is the one with the most impact. Uh, by the time you're around seven, you will know there is another day and that's probably tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't say you get used to it, but uh, it definitely uh, you will get to a different perspective every time it, it happens. Uh, wh- whatever reason it is that you have to uh, either say goodbye or selling a company or or have to fold it or something else like that. Um, that's a great way for you to uh, to cope with that. Did you talk to professional advisors uh, to get to that? Or did you have good friends that helped you with that? How, uh, how, how did you go out and seek for help uh, in, in, in that particular situation?
1: Yeah, um, I had good mentors around me. Um, There were good people, um, basically people that I had met through the university. And um, it's so this happened in Dunedin in New Zealand, a small student town. And there's a good business community there that's very supportive of uh, young people, young entrepreneurs. And it was really that business community and the university sort of community that I, I was close with. That provided the mentorship and the support um, during this time, um, but you know, I think also it incidents like this um, help you build re- resilience and grit, and I think that's so important. And I'm really happy that actually this happened um, quite early on, and I'm I feel like once once you go through sort of a quite a traumatic experience, you do build resilience, and you know, you well, I came out of it really quite optimistic um about the future and knowing that you know I've, I've been through this once i can i can go through anything really um you just have to keep going like looking forward um and progressing
0: okay Um now in in hindsight is he still working on that company or what did he succeed or not
1: Uh, No, of course not. (laughs) It crashed and burned naturally. (laughs) I feel quite good about it. I mean, I probably shouldn't, but I do, um, because he ended up investing quite a bit of money of his personal funds into it, um, and the investor also invested a significant amount of money into it, um, and I think they ran it for a couple of years after, but it all crashed and burned, and everyone lost their money, and uh i was just sort of happy that um that uh well i mean the investor backed the wrong horse is how i look back on it um <laughs> and uh and yeah it was just an interesting lesson
0: and then you brushed it off and what was next for you
1: mm that's a good question so um i I needed to get a job because I was, you know, I had been unemployed um, and I had no work experience. I had done this straight out of university. So uh, there was a biotech company in Dunedin in the same town um, and I knew um, sort of the senior management in that company and um, they were just about to commercialize their first product Um, and so I got a job with them and I worked there for a couple of years, and it was good because I got to use my scientific background um, to understand the science, but not be in a lab and to actually work on the commercialization of of their products and I really enjoyed that. I worked directly with the c e o and I learned so much from him um, got to travel to lots of places um, launching this product um, around the world and and learning from a uh, a senior well-experienced CEO manager um, and it was great I never thought I would I didn't think that I would just keep doing startups again that wasn't in my mindset my mindset was just to to get a job and and see what's next
0: and having worked in a biotech company and now you have the experience of uh, building a tech company in in the IT space for you what What's the biggest difference between building up something in biotech and building up something that, yeah, is just purely coding and development? What are the biggest challenges in difference there?
1: Oh my god, uh, biotech is very difficult. There's uh, so much unpredictable science, um, whereas uh, software products, it's predictable. You can, you know, iron out bugs in a software product, um, it's quite binary. Whereas biotech, um, with natural sciences anyway, um, results can be so variable and unpredictable and you just need so much more research and development. Um, so this company actually, it was a spin-off from the university um, and it was a, a research project that had been running for about I think 10 years before I joined. So it was based on a lot of years of just pure research before they could get a product out there to be commercialized, very, very different,
0: and then you w- did it for a couple of years, you said,
1: yeah, I think two, two, three years.
0: and then you wanted to start something else. It like started tickling again, or what <laughs> what, what 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 was next for you?
1: Yeah, so by that stage, I had lived in uh, Dunedin for about nine years. And Dunedin is a small town at the bottom uh, of New Zealand, the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand. Um, usually students go there um, and they live there for two to three years, complete their degrees and move back to, to their cities or move overseas overseas. Um, it was highly unusual for someone to stay that long. So for me, for example, to go to university there and then actually like start to settle down there um, to get a job and to and to live there. Um, and I just, I guess I got itchy feet and um, I wanted to not live in a small city and I wanted to live in a big city and try something different. Um, and experience a different type of lifestyle. So as a New Zealander, um, we can uh, live and work in uh, Australia without a visa. So I started looking for jobs in Australia, in Sydney and in Melbourne in particular. And and I applied for this VP of sales job at Groupon (laughs) in Sydney. and uh had a had an interview, a phone interview, and uh they quickly discovered that I really had no VP of sales experience. But they liked Amy <laughs> Um, but they liked um my personality, I guess, and um they wanted to hire me anyway, so I didn't get that job, but um they hired me on this management trainee program where i could go over and try a whole different bunch of jobs while i'm at groupon and settle down into one um so so yeah so that happened so i got the job at groupon um packed up my bags and moved to sydney
0: were you at that point already like maybe planning to at one point start your own company again and like start saving up so you could get some runway or was it totally not in your mind yet
1: it was totally not in my mind. I think I was still pretty scarred from the previous experience and it just didn't even occur to me that I would do that again. I just wanted to get a job. I love, I love startups and technology companies and I was super excited to be working for Groupon, this you know one of the world's most famous startups at the time. Um, and I wanted to be in that world, but I did not think I would be starting up a business again.
0: So, how did you end up in uh, I- in your startup? <laughs> if you were not planning to do that, how did you get there?
1: Yeah, so, um, it was actually because of Groupon. So uh, I got to Sydney. I started my job at Groupon, and I quickly discovered that um, the job was not what I hoped it would be. it was it was a well-oiled. Sales machine um, by the time i joined i didn't really have a lot of autonomy um, i couldn 't really make any changes. I was just um, a small cog in this machine um, but I did notice a few things so um I saw that so I was put into um a um, a team that focuses on selling products. So Groupon has different verticals. You can sell services which are based on your geography, um, like you know hairdressers in a particular geography or restaurants, or there's a product category which is defined as anything that can be delivered nationwide. And the product category was by far the fastest growing and most revenue generating um, team at Groupon. And um, and so I was in that team um, by coincidence, and um, in the product category, the top selling products were online courses, and out of the online courses, the top selling online course was Excel courses. Um, whenever we we put on an Excel deal, um, it just sold like hotcakes, and I could see how much these um, these deals how how high in demand, how much high in demand these deals were and um, and how much they were making. So I looked into Groupon suppliers um, for these these online courses and I checked them out myself. And I was really shocked and appalled by what was considered an online course. I thought the quality was really bad. Um, There were sort of very long videos, um, which I thought were not done well, um, PDF downloads, websites that looked dated, um, just low quality products. Um, But I could see that there was such high demand for it and they were making a lot of money. Um, So the seedling of an idea was planted in my head um, for creating an online course Um, but I didn't do anything about it. Um, I worked at Groupon for about five months, five or six months, and um, I was then sort of headhunted to work for an app development company. And uh, I worked there for a couple of years Um, and I really enjoyed working with my boss in that company and I learned a lot about the software development process and just how tech companies work. But my boss left and I was suddenly exposed to the CEO. I suddenly was directly reporting to the CEO of that company. And me and him did not get on well. Um, We didn't really enjoy, uh, we didn't really respect each other's uh, opinions. Um, And I was actually in the process of being fired by that company. I then started to think, oh, my God, I need to look for another job. Or, oh, well, actually, there's this, what about creating an Excel course and, and you know, selling it on Groupon just as like, just as a way to tide me over while, while I do something, while I look for something else. And, um, and that was really how we started Skills.
0: So that means that you're in a job, um And you weren't really planning, so I guess you didn't like save up for like 18 months of runway in salary to pay for your rent, etc. So how did you prepare yourself? What was your first product? If you look at your first product right now, quite often you hear like if you're still embarrassed for it, you should launch it. If you're not embarrassed for it, you you launch too late. Uh, How can you describe the first steps that you did on uh, building uh, Go skills?
1: Yeah, so I started a lot of it while I was working full time. So um, I saw the opportunity um, and I spoke to my former colleagues in New Zealand about the opportunity. I showed them the Excel online courses um, that were being sold on Groupon. I showed um, uh, Franz, who's now my co-founder, how much they were making and we thought, um, let's give it a go. And so, a lot of the work was done while I was working full time. So, um, just in my evenings and weekends, I would be sketching out wireframes, um, speaking to looking for instructors, um, and building the product while working full time. Um, and I, and in terms of sort of being financially safe, I I did save up during my working days, and so I felt comfortable. Um, to leave a job and not have an income for at least six months and that was what I had set in my mind as a target so if if we launch this business um, and it doesn't start being able to pay a salary or pay something uh, towards me and my co-founder after six months then I I'd, I'd just need to get another job um, so yeah, so that's what we did. So I actually worked at that app development company until um, we made our first sale with GoSkills. And it was only once we sold, I just wanted to sell one Excel course just to know that, okay, someone will buy it. And then from there on, it's just up to, up to us to scale that. So when we got that first sale, um, I, I quit the job slash almost got fired. <laughs> And went full hog into Go Skills and growing it, um, and and so how we launched by selling the courses on Groupon.
0: Does that mean that as of almost day one you had revenue coming in? Uh, does it all mean that you were cash flow positive as of day one, or like how did you did the finance for uh, for Go Skills in the beginning?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the entire business plan was to create an Excel course, just one course and sell it back through Groupon. Um, The way Groupon works is that uh, they don't ask for any upfront marketing fees, they take a cut on your sales. It's quite a large cut, it's about 50%, um, but it gave us exposure to millions of people and um, it gave us cash into the business from day one. And I was lucky enough to still have um, good relationships with people inside Groupon, Um, and I I went back to them and said, I've got this Excel course, Happens to be one of your top selling products, I know. <laughs> um, but it's better than what you're selling for X, Y, Z reasons. Would you like to try it? Um, and they did. And it did well in the tests. And I sort of had to make sure that it did well in test too. And I was lucky that my job at Groupon was to maximize revenues for deals. And so I knew how to how to make it very appealing. Um, and so it, it worked. So um, uh, the the Exile course did well on the test. It was rolled out nationally, and then I approached Groupon's around the world um, using their sort of internal language to sell it to them. Um, you know, like, oh, it's a killer deal in Australia. You have to, you have to launch it in Malaysia. It'll, you know, <laughs> you know just just using their sort of like tactics to um, to sell it to other Groupon's. And then we got into Groupon in the States eventually, and that was um, when things really took off for us. Um, the scale of the sales in the States was just enormous. And um, we were able to invest all the money that we got from the Groupon sales into creating more courses, and we just bootstrapped the company that way.
0: Uh, did you end up at one point taking outside investments? or
1: No, we, we're still bootstrapped. Okay. So we're seven years in now.
0: Um, always the best way uh, to build a business, uh, in, in my point of view, if you can do it in that uh, in that sense. But that's uh, that's great to hear. What was especially when you have to start growing and scale up? What was the biggest challenge at that point? Because I can imagine that uh, if you yeah, switch on. Uh, the United States as one of your uh, potential markets, that uh, things like scalability, uh, performance of the course, uh, like, uh, how did you, uh, yeah, did the structure of that course that it was able to, um, yeah, serve so many uh, clients?
1: Yeah, uh, so the it's an online, on-demand, pre-recorded course. So it's similar to a software product in that, you create it once and you can sell it infinitely. Um, so scaling the product wasn't so difficult. Um, Franz, my co-founder um, is the technical genius behind GoSkills. And so he made sure that the technology was uh, scalable. Um, and, and yeah, and in terms of creating the product, so we found um, an Excel instructor, an MVP in Canada, got him to create the course content for us. Um, and we were quite prescriptive with what we wanted. So we wanted micro learning uh, components. So all our, our videos are three to five minutes long. All videos come with um, a quiz and exercise and a cheat sheet. And we wanted to make it as interactive as, po- as possible. And we then applied that formula for all our courses. So yeah, so scaling it wasn't too big of an issue um the bigger challenges were around uh sales and and groupons actually because um we sort of caught the end of the wave of um daily deals and um we saw that every every time we relaunched a deal or every new course we launched, we were just getting less and less sales every time and um it wasn't a long-term or a sustainable um, channel for us.
0: How did you pivot to your current channel from uh, Groupon? Like what were there the, the dynamics that you saw and what was the challenge there to uh, to make that happen?
1: Yeah, so it was a really scary time because basically 100% of our revenue was um, from Groupons. And um, we had our website was basically like a supplier website. It was all about entering your Groupon code and redeeming your code to get access to the courses. We did have uh, PayPal as a as an option to buy the courses um, and, and that was it. What we saw was that because we were very popular on Groupons and um, we had lots of Groupon sites linking to our um, course pages, we were beginning to rank on Google search results and some people were finding us without Groupons and finding Go Skills and actually buying courses through our own website. And um, we started to collect analytics on these people. We called them direct customers. Um, and we saw that these people were obviously spending a lot more with us than Groupon customers um, because there was there was no cut to Groupon. And also they were purchasing other courses at a higher rate than Groupon customers. They were more loyal. Um, And so that was the turning point where we thought, okay, well, we need to sort of pivot our um, customer acquisition channel uh, and focus more on these direct customers. So we learned everything about SEO, search engine optimization, um, about the e-commerce funnel, um, about e-commerce in general, how to sell online, um and and built that up over over the next years and now now we don't sell on daily deals um, anymore and um, most of our revenue comes from uh, search engine optimizations
0: okay and uh Referring to your previous uh, experience with a co-founder, now you have a co-founder agreement with your current co-founder?
1: We do. Um, We actually just created one a few years ago. Um, The main lessons I took away from my previous startup was finding a co-founder that had complementary skills to me. I think a big issue with the previous guy was that we were actually quite similar in our skill set. We were both sort of... Sales, marketing, BD people, um, and we just we were overlapping in our um, domains of expertise. And I wanted to find someone that had a different domain of expertise, and we would have our own sort of territories, <laughs> and uh, we would respect each other in our territories, um, and we would complement each other in building building a business. and um, And I found that in France
0: um that's great to hear of course because uh you got your learnings there um are there still things today that you say to yourself maybe i want to change that still or maybe i should have done differently there
1: with go skills yes um i think one of the main challenges has been um hiring hiring people um we were still it's quite difficult so we grew because, um, so Franz was always in New Zealand and I was in Sydney. So we were remote from day one and we never felt the pressure to, to build an office and to find people in either of our locations. So we always grew the team uh, by hiring remotely. And um, we've had so many challenges with people uh, that have been fantastic, that have been with us almost from the beginning to people that have just been absolutely toxic and disastrous. Um, and that's something that, uh, that is difficult and will be, I think, will be difficult as we scale the business.
0: Quite often as a co-founder, uh, building your business, you get advice from people. Uh, What is an advice that you often hear, but you actually don't agree with?
1: One thing that annoys me a lot is when, um, people say oh you know you have your own startup you have to work you know 12 hour days and all x hour weeks and you just have to put in all your time and effort and energy into your startup and I really disagree with this Um, I think it's actually really important to have um, work-life balance even if it's your startup um because i th- i see a lot of people put everything into into their businesses and then they just burn out so quickly um and i i value i value my personal time and um i value my home time and i think it's probably quite a kiwi kiwi value um <laughs> to appreciate you know to appreciate life and to not forget the bigger picture and um i think both me and my co-founder um feel that way and so we've never had that crazy culture of you know putting in tons and tons of hours and forcing you know our team to work crazy hours i've i've just never understood that and uh and we have a very relaxed culture at our company because of that
0: um What's not a secret that mo- most people don't know about you?
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a secret that people don't know about me?
0: Uh, what's not a secret and most people don't know about you?
1: It's not a secret that people don't know about me. Um, I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's let, let leave that dead then. If, if, there's, if
0: there's one thing uh, you want people uh, to take away from this talk, what would it be?
1: I think um, just if you have an idea um, and you're thinking about starting a business, um, just do it just talk to as many people about it. Don't be afraid of people stealing your idea. Um, I think that's a bit of a myth. Um, just, just try it. You don't really know what it's like until you give it a go. And it may be for you or it may not be for you. Um, but in either case, you'll learn a lot. And um, I think you'll come out knowing more about yourself and knowing more about business. And it'll only help you at your next job or your next venture. Um yeah, don't don't be afraid to just try things.
0: Great. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I want to thank you for your valuable insights and uh, sharing of your lessons learned in startups. Thank you. For the listeners, although the rating system of podcast is hideous, uh if you like Make Cooper series, you can rate this podcast with 5 stars as a motivation for the makers. Also, we want to thank Mizuho Crowdbrain for uh, letting us use their venue for recording this podcast this is jeffrey brewer and normally i would say go out and build something meaningful but with this covid situation i'll just say go and build something meaningful